one and all to season two, episode two of Quiz at Play. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Ruben and I'm joined as always by Mark. Hello. And Joe. Hey. So we have had one hell of a two weeks um, because it seemed like there was no news for quite a long time. Then suddenly there's been news constantly for the past four days um so it was looking a bit hairy at first but we solved it so move on to quickfire news then and the first thing activision being dicks which we love to start the podcast with this so for those who aren't familiar activision have taken the popular developer who are under their under their umbrella toys for bob who did the spyro uh, remasters the Crash Bandicoot remasters and also Crash Bandicoot 4 and has moved them over to working on Call of Duty Excuse which is a perfect sound of it it's a perfect fit I don't know why I'm questioning it I I mean I am totally shooketh by this news Activision doing something like that kill surprise shock horror if I had pearls I'd have been clutching at them I I mean, I must admit, when I saw Activision do bad thing as a as a news headline, Joe, I was like, "Yeah, fine, <laughs> whatever, whatever." The world keeps turning; the sky is still fucking blue. Um, and at the same time, same around about the same uh, period, also their CEO took a fifty percent pay cut, which sounds impressive until you realise it's a reduction of. 875,000, which means he's still getting paid. A billionaire is still getting paid 875,000. I mean, oh, Activision. I am available as a sugar baby. I, to be honest, like if I was being paid Bobby Kotick's wage, I could happily have that. I wouldn't need the 50% pay increase or the bonuses. 875,000 a year? Yeah, thanks, please. I mean, at this point, are there any third-party AAA publishers left that aren't dicks? I think there could be an argument for Square Enix, but not much of an argument because they still employ Nomura. <laughs> that is... I mean, somebody's got to employ him. If anything, they're doing the world... They're, they're doing him a, a service? I don't know. They're doing him a service, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think, by and large, almost all the AAA uh, developers and publishers at this point are dicks for one reason or another. Um, Yay, capitalism! One. I know, isn't it great? Ah! Um, because the next one I can think of down from Activision is Ubisoft, and we fucking love <laughs> Ubisoft. Um... um they are bastions of goodwill and great behaviour. Um, but this is just, I mean, the, the news which came with this, the Activision thing, the thing which concerns me the most really is they have, it seems that they've moved all of their people onto Call of Duty. Apart from the one studio that they assigned to Blizzard. Because that's going great as well, apparently. Um 
it's just why i mean i know call of duty like, I mean, call of duty does obviously get them a lot of money because loot boxes obviously uh Yay, obviously oh, don't um just oh every single time i think because because i did uh uh for the people of the podcast which didn't know about this um i did a lecture on loot boxes a guest lecture at Lincoln University and researching this was the most harrowing research I've done in my entire degree. Um, and, but it's just the Call of Duty games aren't that good anymore. They've become yearly iterations and they've just lost all creative. What do you mean they're not good anymore? In fact, if you go, <laughs> if you go back, I, I have played a number of Call of Duties because I use them as my frustration game. That if I've had a bad week and I just want to kill some <laughs> bastards, I will load up a Call of Duty and shoot people. It's much safer than me wanting to take my rage out in other ways. And the storyline, they used to do decent length storylines, and I'm someone who doesn't really play multiplayer online games. I never really have. It's a new thing for me to play with people online. It's very bizarre. Like, I could lose to someone. Like, the other side of the world? No, I like losing to the computer when that's like an inanimate object for me to be annoyed at. And I always bought them for the story because that's all I would play was story mode. And like the most recent one, you finished it in like 10 hours. So is that all? You pay that much for a game? I don't want to play with other people because I'm shite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then like... Um... Like, I think the last the last good one was World at War. The World the World War Two one that was on PS two. I want to say it's the PS two GameCube era that around about that time, and that was good. Well, I guess it was the point at which they were given access to things like downloadable content, local storage, and you know server patches and updates that really kind of propelled this behemoth forward <laughs> into what it is now. Because, you know, the, the version you talked about, which was probably one of the last ones on that generation of consoles, would also have been probably the last one that didn't allow for that kind of um, functionality. It'll be interesting so, to see what happens if things like loot boxes are legislated over and how that changes the approach from developers. They would probably find something else. Oh, yeah. It'll, <laughs> law, it always falls way behind technology and takes forever to catch up. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in any discussions about things like loot boxes. Um, and I think the way that they might well do it is just age verification which isn't necessarily a good thing because it doesn't solve the problem of like gambling addicts and things like that. No, and also, and also if they do that, they'll lock out a huge section of their... I mean, what I could see them doing is removing the random element of loot boxes so that you, what you, you get what you buy, but also to make those items consumable in-game so you have to rebuy them when they run out. There will always be something. I mean, like, it's, as as Joe's already adequately, it's, it's capitalism, it's money. Mm. I really um, hope I just haven't given them a really bad idea. Perhaps we should, stri- <laughs> we should strike that idea from, from, the, uh, 
from the podcast because we absolutely do not want you to sell consumable items that have to be repurchased when they've been used in game. Don't do that. That's bad. But if you I mean, do do honest, that, the play will works. take a cut. I mean, let's be honest. If Activision were listening to this podcast, they would have stopped after the first few sentences. <laughs> so as they got really gay have... capitalism and <laughs> turned into the Queers That Play Socialist Worker Party. Yep, I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're, it's on brand. I mean, we were the Gaming Communist Party last episode. We might as well carry that on. <laughs> um, so on to the second, part, the, the second bit of news and, uh, and something, oh, oh my God, like I took with so much sadness. Konami are not going to be at E3 this year. I, what, a, that, what a blow that is. I thought the only thing they did was Pro Evolution Soccer. No, they do Pachinko machines. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I mean, it, to be... Uh, to, to strike a balance with this, they did say that they would supposedly have things to announce at a later date. <laughs> What that later date is, and whether it's just another Pro Evolution soccer game, uh, is another matter. Well, they didn't do one this year either. It was just a patch update on the old game because they basically went, "There's no point in us. We haven't got the capacity given the COVID crisis." I think the one positive of it is they aren't trying to meet artificial deadlines set by themselves and overwork and burn out their workers. That is one positive, and more studios and companies could learn from that approach but what do they do anyway true i mean what 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 was the last i think the last big game if you want to call it a big game from konami was contra road core wasn't it i think was the most recent one you know better than i do on that one um which was an abomination and was reviewed really badly by everyone that was inflicted with it so konami aren't exactly in great stead um, something that I did actually like being serious rather than the, the fact I couldn't give a fuck that Konami aren't at E3, um, official PlayStation magazine have rebranded recently as play. This was left field for me. I didn't see this coming. Is it, I guess, related to a loss of the license? I was going to say it sounds like classic license issue. Possibly, but then isn't that the last official magazine done? Probably. I mean, it seems weird that if a magazine publisher was willing to put out an official magazine, why any one of the console manufacturers wouldn't go, you know... Money! (laughs) (laughs) We revert back to yay capitalism. It's, oh, it's, gonna, it's money. It is pure going to be money rather than anything else because they, from what I read and understand, they're continuing with exactly the same team. It's not like yeah, it's, exactly the same format. It's just a rename. Not like it's an overhaul or an, of any real substance. It's just a rebrand. And the only reason you do that is if there was a legal issue or something hadn't been agreed yet. But you'd know that was coming. Lawyers for you would know that was coming and would have been negotiating this for ages. Yeah. So it's just our end that it was a surprise, really. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's sad because I, you know, I do remember as a kid going out and buying my my Nintendo magazine of choice. But at the same time, I can't be too angry because I don't go out anymore and buy 
magazines because the internet is a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's I, I get all of my gaming news from like Eurogamer and Destructoids and um, and places like that. So I'm not surprised, but it is it is always a shame that if if this is, which I believe it is, the last official gaming magazine, that is a big loss, it's really. A, it's a 33 year stretch of official game publications that are coming to an end. Oh, that's just, that's, that is tragic. And I think it is, it's that history behind it that you lose. And that's the sentimentality of people of my generation and Mark's generation, <laughs> uh, different ones, obviously, that have attachments to it. Because when we grew up, you couldn't just log on to the internet and be like, oh my God, look about all of this game. I get all of my news pretty much from you two and whatever you retweet <laughs> onto my Twitter timeline. So like, that's where I, I see it. I never was one for the magazines. I always used to see them, but I, I never was. I used to spend my money on other salacious things. But it is, it's sad and it is part of, I feel, another death knell for print media. Mm. But at the same time, we can't, you can't blame them if, uh, if we ourselves are not going out and buying yeah. magazines. So it's... And I think this is, this is why when I said, yay, capitalism is probably the downfall of it. PlayStation probably wanted too much and they went, it's, we're not making that much revenue. Mm-hmm. So we'll just go unofficial. I'm glad they're continuing though. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we don't want more people like out of jobs at this point. It's just a horrible state. We don't of want people out but... of jobs. Period. Oh yeah, period. But like this, this is currently a really horrible time for finding a job, especially difficult. Um, so the Epic Games Store. I'm not familiar with this story, but they released financials on their free games and how much they make or do not make from them, and how much profit the store is making. Mark, do you know more about this? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly where this bit of news came from. It could well have been related, actually, it, to, it the to the Apple game. Yeah, the Epic Games lawsuit versus Apple. Um, it was must have been, you know, part of the evidence. Um, but it's shocking in some instances, how little the uh, developers were paid for some of these. Um, So, you know, looking at the list, um, Batman Arkham, for example, was given away uh, and Warner Brothers were paid one and a half million dollars. But that free game was claimed by the looks of it 6.4 million times. So that is a very small amount per license that Warner Brothers would have got from that. But then you look at something a little bit less well-known, perhaps, um, something from a, a an indie developer, and uh, Rhyme, they were paid only $45,000, the publishers of Rhyme, for a game that was claimed nearly two and a half million times. So it's, I mean, 
obviously the developers are going to be negotiating with with Epic over this, um, and they'll have a you know they must have a figure where they think well this is this is this is worthwhile right. This is this is enough money for me to give this game away for free for a period of time, but an unlimited number of times essentially during that period. There's no there's no limit on the number of people that can claim it. I think the other thing to bear into count on the figures, at least especially when it's a, a bigger game and you're like that that seems like a, an absolute steal, is if it had already been released, a lot of the studios will have factored in to their negotiation strategy that they had already received a lot of money from game purchases already. And so this was like additional revenue that was risk-free to them because they're never going to make full price RRP on those games anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's a a cost balancing. The one that was interesting to me, because it's something I play a lot, is um, Jackbox. So that was like $60,000, but it got um, Epic nearly 100,000 new accounts, so brand new accounts to Epic. So for Epic, See, that's that, the was, point. that was a brilliant one. It's, it's about how much it costs. Epic will be looking at how many new users do we get or can we retain users that we're thinking of leaving for the best price? And developers will be like, well, A, it gets, for the small ones, it will get their name out there and get them a bit of brand recognition in ways that they might not necessarily get that exposure, especially if they're small. Another, it's a guaranteed income. If you know you can do that and you can make a profit then on the game and then think after that, because of your future games, you've got kind of an interest and you've piqued gamers' interest in you and what you might come out with, it's worth it in the long run. What's interesting, though, is you look at all of that money that Epic have spent, which, when you add up, it totals $11.6 million that Epic spent on these free games, which this is, by the way, this was only free games up until, I think, the end of 2019. So this doesn't count everything that they gave away for free in 2020 or so far this year in 2021. Yeah, this goes up to September 2019, so it's the nine months. I I can't remember the source where I read this, but the Epic Game Store only accounts for around 2% of the PC digital game store market. That's a phenomenally small percentage of the market that they've managed to carve out with all of these free giveaways. So it's interesting... It'd be interesting to see their, you know, just how much profit they're making from that two percent, and therefore how much. I mean, Steam is quite clearly the market leader here. Just how much money Valve must be making from Steam? They with... they got, I think Epic got something like five million new accounts in that nine month period. Yeah, new accounts is one thing, but how many of those new accounts have actually bought anything and how many have just used the free game offers? Because I know I've got an Epic that, Game yeah, Store account. That's, yeah, I, that's think, the thing. I think I've bought one thing on that store and claimed countless free games. But the thing is, they, they're not, I don't think they'll shut it down for the time being anyway, simply because it doesn't really matter 
it doesn't matter if the Epic Games Store is a loss leader for Epic Games because they have Fortnite. They are rolling in fucking money constantly. Like, so no matter how much or how little they're paying for these games to be free on their on their launcher, it's a drop in. It's literally a drop in the ocean for them. It's a drop Plus, in the ocean and gets them goodwill. Yeah, gets them goodwill and also gets people into the Epic Games launcher ecosystem, which means that, like, regardless of the fact that, say, I've got an Epic Games account and I've never bought anything on there, and you, you as well, Mark, have an Epic Games account and haven't spent anything on there, people will have. Oh yeah, and get That's and so getting and, and getting people within that ecosystem is all you really need to do sometimes to get people to spend. Like I didn't have a Steam account for ages, and the moment I got a Steam account, I've now got like 30, 40 games on there. Like it's the moment you get yourself someone within the ecosystem, they are more likely to spend within that ecosystem. So really, for them, it's it's winning regardless. But it'll be interesting to see how, and we will cover it later down the line it'll be interesting to see how this apple versus epic lawsuit actually continues going forwards but moving on to the next piece and it's an unfortunate thing for a few people but a patch that was released on returnal has fucked the game entirely <laughs> or at least no they rescinded it didn't they they took it down almost immediately with within people at the point of people started reporting the issues and in fairness to them they got a patch up within a couple of hours that fixed the issue but it just goes to show mistakes do sometimes happen unfortunately i mean i'm somebody who fully embraces the german notion of schadenfreude and that was just a big one for me it's i mean it's a disappointment because returnal seems to be having decent reviews. It seems an interesting game. Um, a bit too scary for my liking, which is why I didn't buy it, which is very rare for me. Usually I see something new and go, ooh, shiny, um, and purchase it and forget that it might not be my cup of tea. But I think the fact that they were open with the dialogue and very clear with, this is what's happened. We are fixing it. In the meantime, delete the download you have we've returned it so it's the older patch now and reinstall it and you'll be fine that's not a bad thing mistakes do happen and it was good that they were just open and honest about it yeah and they handled it really quickly which is is a testament to them to be fair um I mean, it wasn't like Cyberpunk 2077. I was waiting for you to say that. Uh, <laughs> you, you just had to get it in there somewhere. Really. I had to. You just had to get it in. I, I said it last time. I'll say it again. I like to dunk on Cyberpunk. Um, Which is available it, on t-shirts in the next month, oh, I'm sure. Don't. I'm so tempted to get a t-shirt printed with that. Um, but, okay, moving on to the next instance of the games industry are dicks. Um... Mass Effect Music is being claimed by Warner Brothers as a company. And the reason I say game industry is because Warner Brothers are just as fucking bad in the game sphere as they are in every other fucking sphere. Um, Joe, you're the one who brought this to our attention. Did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, so it was something I saw on Twitter. A number of people, especially YouTubers, 
um, primarily, but there's a concern that this is going to impact on Twitch users and all of the DMCA potentials for live streaming and things like that. So it was to do with someone had posted about EA announcing that PC Mass Effect Legendary Edition will support 240 FPS. And a number of people were commenting, well, also, Mass Effect 1 and 2 are having Warner Brothers claiming on YouTube that the music is DMCA-able because the movie rights have been sold to Warner Brothers, and that includes all of the rights to the music as well. For the, the big concern I have with this legally, and as something that could cause a massive knock-on effect if it's challenged and Warner Brothers win, is that this is something that's being actioned for games that came out ages ago. And so it's all about well, what do you what do you own the rights to when you when you a buy a game? Like, can you stream it broadly? Like Twitch's terms of service are most things. If it's sound within a game, you can stream it and not be DMCA'd for unless it's something like you just dance or your karaoke ones where the rights to it were given for a purpose of not broadcasting. And so it's it's another one where I really wish I had a button um, to play Lewis's terms and conditions may apply. <laughs> because it's another one for that. It, people are going to have to start reading the fine print. And there is a legal notion that depending on how serious something is, it has to there are some things that you could put it in fine print and that wouldn't matter. You could put it in bright red text on the front of the flipping game and that wouldn't matter. You still couldn't do it. This is an area where I think if they put it in the fine print, it'd probably be fine. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Read your terms and conditions. I mean, it just annoys me because... Playing a game on Twitch with commentary over the top is within fair use. Oh, in terms don't of, get me started. I hate I, IP is a pain, pain, pain like, in the rear end. It's like, well, sure, I don't necessarily own the rights to this or distribution rights to it, but I'm using it and adding to it. And that can be for entertainment use. It's, like if a comedian, as part of their act, decided to play a clip of something and then roast it, they, their defence would be, well, I was adding to it, I was using it as a point. But no, it's, I'm concerned about the precedent it might set. More, more about games that are extremely odd. Imagine if Zelda did a film and the rights were sold and the rights sold back and nobody could then stream any sound from Zelda games or Kingdom Hearts, which has a yeah, and banging I think, I think soundtrack. It, I think it's definitely one thing if the, the game in question uses licensed popular music, but when the game is using music that was written specifically for that game... And also, it's it's fine if it's future, like future productions. If they went, well, Warner Brothers will own the rights to future game sound music from future games mm. of Mass Effect. 
that's one thing because people then are aware and can deal with it. Past ones, I'm I'm concerned. I wouldn't be surprised if there would be a challenge from someone on this. It then depends, A, if it gets settled, where the jurisdiction is. It, law, know, it's if complicated. It, if it does only apply to the remastered versions of Mass Effect and whether the remastering included re-recording of audio that falls into that category, like you said, of future releases, i.e. if you streamed the older, not remastered version of Mass Effect, and therefore perhaps it contained a different what, recording of that audio. What a number of people are saying is it's now what is classed as movie music soundtrack, and that's something that just gets like automatically flagged, and that is ME1 and ME2. Well, at least we know the movie is going to be creatively bereft because they're just lifting the music out of the games rather than doing their own compositions like the fucking losers Warner Brothers are. Um, oh, Warner Brothers can suck a dick. Um, on to more positive news then. Um, <laughs> Nintendo have done two good things, which is, you know, they want to do. Uh, they've added online to Super Mario Party, which is a very odd decision, considering the fact Super Mario Party came out like three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's a great thing. It would have been a, it would have been a, a better thing if they'd have added it. I don't know within a few um, months of the original release, when people actually still cared about the game. Tactically, <laughs> you know, it's extremely intelligent because they've done it just enough after the Mario anniversary has ended that people who might have been like, oh, I don't want to play this because I don't have anyone in person to play it with, but I'd have a load of people online to play with, haven't bought the game when it was 33% off and are now having to balance up, well, do I buy it for like £45 because it's still at that price? Or do I just not engage with it? They've And they've got the Mario hype well, still. It's it's um, tactically it's worked pretty well. I know a number of people who've bought it recently, and I'm like, if you'd bought that like a month ago, you'd have got it for thirty instead of forty five. I do want. I do wonder at what point Nintendo decided to go right. Let's add online to Mario Party. Like, was it always a plan that they would add it eventually? Did the did the pandemic hit and they go right? We need to do this now, and it's taken them a year to do it, or like, at what point did that become an idea from inside Nintendo? I, th I think the pandemic has changed how people, and companies know this, it's changed how people play games. Whereas something like Mario Party, originally, a lot of the fun was being in the same room and being able to watch each other do the stupid flipping actions you have to do to try and win and like, panic and rush around. And that isn't necessarily possible for a lot of people. So I think part of it is an access thing. But it's been done tactically on when they've launched it, because they could have launched this during the anniversary bit when it was on sale and probably got more people to buy it from that. But it works broadly. I've played twice online now with people. It works broadly pretty well. A little bit of lag occasionally, but not too much. 
The big issue is if one person's internet drops out, you lose the whole game. That is right on brand for Nintendo's online offering. So basically, if you're playing it, don't play with someone who's got rural, shitty internet. So don't play with me. (laughs) Sorry, we'd love to, but we'll have to we'll have to save it for in person with you. But yeah, like, like I really enjoyed Super Mario Party. I gave it quite, I gave it a really good review when I reviewed it back in the day. Um. I think one of the criticisms I did level against it is that it should have had online. Um, so now it's a better game than even when I reviewed it. But it's, yeah, I, I agree with Joe. It's It was tactical that it was delayed, this, this release. But perhaps too little too late for a game like that. Who knows? I mean, we won't really know until next year when we see the financials and see whether it actually increased the sales of it or not. But it feels like um, a movie also... win for them. It, it was yeah. something that's easy to do-ish, um, especially when there's still issues slightly with it, and it might get some people to buy a game that is still RRP and on the store and in stores quite a high I mean, price game I mean, you say that old. You say easy to do, but if it was never part of the original plan that it was going to have online, it could you have the complexity of making a non-online game online like Mario Party, if you hadn't designed it that way to begin with, could be but, but quite game, the engineering Game development's piss easy, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you make an excellent point. And actually, that, that does kind of lead on to the next article. article it really. does. Game Builder Garage, making development easy. It's I almost mean, as if I planned the uh, link there. What a, what a segue. We are in awe. Um, <laughs> our segue is nowhere near as smooth. Um so this looks interesting. I couldn't give a flying shit about it myself, but it looks interesting nonetheless. It's not a game for me. I know that. Um, I really just... like it. And I, similar to um, Super Mario Maker, I think the interesting thing will be seeing what people do with it. I don't necessarily mm. know if I would have the level of creativity required to make anything interesting myself. But I think it'll be. I think the things that the community will come up with will be fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Mario Maker. I'm intrigued on this more than Mario Maker. Yeah, I mean the the possibilities of what can be created seem to be a lot wider than they were. You know, and and the things that people did with Mario Maker were, you know, they in some instances put together stages that were practically metroidvania games and you know adventure games puzzle games and they did that all that within the framework of mario this seems to have a much broader scope in terms of the types of games it allows you to create just from the brief trailer that nintendo released there's everything from puzzle games shooting games action games first person games racing game yeah um so yeah i think it's going to be it'll be Really interesting to see just how far people can take it. I'm quite intrigued as well. So my mum, for full disclosure, my mum is a primary school teacher. And with ICT and the curriculum, now there's a lot of focus on kind of like designing and coding and things like that. And this is right up the curriculum street. And I'd be very intrigued if some of the academies and... um, private asked twat face schools 
will use this as a way of being like, look at us hitting the curriculum and you can play the Harrow Nintendo game uh, here. Like, this is our friend link. You can download it from us. It wouldn't surprise me if certain elements mm. of public schooling will utilise it. But it'd be great if more people... It's about accessibility. I, I would hope the price drops quite rapidly. It's not hugely expensive to start with compared to other games. But yeah, I think it, I think it's launching exclusively on the eShop for about £30, which when compared to your Mario's and your Zelda's coming in at 45 50 60 pounds, whatever, it's, it's, it's not a bad price straight off the bat. Um, and I think the, the more people, the strength of it is the community that download yeah. it and share. So you'd hope that if either they were struggling or uptake or uptake was really good, they would reduce it and just enable even if they enable people to play other people's for free for a limited yeah period. i think it would be yeah that would be a really great idea if there was like a a game builder garage player app at a cheaper mm. price for people that don't necessarily have the creativity or the desire to build these things themselves but would like to play them that would be an interesting idea if they do implement it nintendo um, if you're listening come on <laughs> Yeah, Nintendo. We we haven't we haven't criticised you during this podcast, so you can you can listen. Um, so onto some Sony news, just some just some little bits about Sony uh, before we move on to our feature. Um, so Sony had a state of play uh, in I think it was like just over a week ago at time of recording, uh, where they showed some new footage from Ratchet and Clank: A Rift Apart. They explained who the new Lombax is. Um, and then they showed also Subnautica, uh, the, a sequel to Subnautica and also confirmed Among Us was coming to PS4. Um, I'm undecided on Ratchet and Clank at this point. Okay. I mean, it because looks absolutely gorgeous. It does. And but, I think it's doing some really interesting things with the PS5's um, storage, super fast storage, with just being able to load in complete levels instantaneously. I mean, if you're talking about a true next-gen experience, something that is literally only possible on this next generation, the the things that they're doing with those portals and loading in levels like that is really is kind of something that's never been possible before. They're utilising the system most definitely. I have to say, I'd never played Ratchet and Clank beforehand, but having seen that, I downloaded the original and have started playing it because I want to at least have a bit of understanding. The original original or the remake of the original? Well, the remake, obviously. It's, it was free, wasn't it? <laughs> so I think tactically is a brilliant move as well to make... Yeah, that one available. So I've started yeah. playing that, and I'm I'm enjoying the dynamics of it. And I will be buying now Ratchet and Clank when originally I went. Eh. It's like the only thing putting me off is what they did with that remake. I really didn't appreciate. Um, they, for the sake of it being a movie tie-in, which is what it was, which is uh, I have an issue with that as it is. Um, they 
really bastardized the story of the original Ratchet and Clank game in the remake and managed and then palmed quite a lot of it off with kind of like little quips in game about how it's a remake but a reimagining from characters and I'm just like mm, no you don't get to do that like the main story of the original Ratchet and Clank was how Ratchet and Clank not only came together but also the friction between the two as characters and how they resolved that and they removed all of that from the remake and just boiled it down to a very very basic dispute between the two characters i'm just like well that is literally that is like i don't know like pre-gcse level english in terms of character design it's so poorly constructed i think the thing i have with remakes generally is either you have to follow the pattern pretty much exactly with whatever technical upgrades you can do with the new system, which means, frankly, unless someone's nostalgic about it, why would they buy it? Because they've already played the game. Unless they're nostalgic, there's no point. New people won't know, like, like myself, Naive, um, and this is the same with me on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Naive on it, never never played Final Fantasy VII before, had never played Ratchet & Clank before, so I don't know that history or the changes, and I can enjoy the games without the disappointment that people who have played the originals might face. And I think that isn't a reason to not want to buy Ratchet & Clank a Rift Apart. Equally, I will buy it, and when I've finished, you can have it. So you're not buying it. Okay. I accept. I, mean, go, I may have about bought it by then. PlayStation games do not hold their value. Um, how about uh, Among Us on PS4? I know you... I'm sure you've played a bit of Among Us, Joe. I, I, I have to admit, I've, I have never played it. And I don't. That I is going to change. It, We're going to get you on that. Well, I've gone backwards and forwards on this because you know it. It's very similar to to sort of in person games like Werewolves. I love I love One Night Werewolf. It's very I, different I, though I, as well. But I really dislike the, that kind of game. And whenever I've been forced to play it, especially when I've been the werewolf, just I just get too stressed out. I, I get, like, I hate being imposter on Among Us because I panic like hell. Anyone who's seen me stream Among Us, I am literally shaking when I'm imposter. And I'm like, <laughs> it's hilarious to watch, I'm sure. But I think with Among Us, I completely get what you mean. It is so similar to, like, werewolf and all of that kind of thing. It's very much on who your group is. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that the, the people you're playing with can make a huge difference to, to how that kind of game feels. I would never play it online with randoms. I've done that once and it was just, it's chaos, it's frustrating. It, no one pays any attention. They just do what they want anyway. It's not worth it. It is about playing with friends. I'm not surprised it's come coming to PlayStation. No, I don't no, care either. Like I will play it on PC. It works better for me on PC, and you get the mods opportunity if you're playing it on PC mm-hmm. um, that are not obviously official. But change it up a little bit and add a bit more 
to the game. And I think unless the developers, it's such a small team as well, I think this is a lot of their difficulty, it's such a small team, unless the developers can do like official mods that are cross-playable, it's going to start hitting a brick wall soon because it's chaos as it is, even with 10. They're going up to 15, I think, on the new map, which I can understand it's a huge map, like absolutely huge and chaotic. But trying to have a meeting, if one person has died, you're trying to have a meeting with 14 people all talking over each other, it's chaos. Whereas if you have like the mods where there's proximity mod and you can hear people talking who are nearby you, that changes the dynamic of the game completely. And you can get mods where they do things like you have the different characters in Werewolf where you have like the Tanner in Werewolf, you'd have something similar in Among Us. And it changes, it does fundamentally change the game, but you can only do that on PC at the moment. Mm. Yep, I agree with all of that. Um, Plus also, um, I echo what both of you said about hating being the imposter. I get so stressed out. Like... The, the, the difference between, like, it's night and day with me and Among Us. So when I'm the imposter, I am constantly stressed, constantly panicked, despite the fact I have so many powers that the other people don't have. But uh, I just, I don't enjoy it at all. The moment I'm a crewmate, I become fucking Sherlock Holmes. Oh, <laughs> like, same. like, my issue is that when I'm crewmate, I am either killed first because the people who play with me know that I will be like, okay, well... You said this earlier this uh, discussion that you were on this side of the map, and now you're saying that you were on the other side. Why? Why have you changed your mind about where you were? And they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I get killed early sometimes. If I'm not, then I'm like, I, uh, we are going to win. Thank you. But I talk a lot because I'm constantly asking questions. So... If I don't have much to say, whether I'm imposter or not, people are like, ah, Joe, Joe is sus because they are, they're, they're a bit quieter than usual. It's like, no, literally, I have nothing at the moment to say. If I have something to say, then God help you. <laughs> but no, I, I stress way too much as imposter. And I think the thing, but the thing with having things like proximity if you're in Boston, you can go into vents and chat together and talk tactics. And I think that is one of the things that stresses me out as imposter is I don't know what the other person's going to do if you're playing with multiple imposters. Well, yeah, the other imposter could just dick you over, yeah. basically. Um, but, like, it's a, it's a good fit for PS4. Like, the more consoles that game's on, if they manage to get... And it'll um, be cross-play. Cross-play working... It'll, it's, it's well, just it's a cross, large base. It's cross-play at the moment. Okay, awesome. So if they get so PlayStation in with that, excellent. It's great call. Um, I mean, and they've done everything then? Uh, there was another couple of pieces of news, but I have forgot to add them, so let's not cover those. Um, so let's move on to our feature, shall we? Is this where I have to think? You can sing if you want to, um, but let's move on to Simply the Guest. You're Simply the Guest. Dun, 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 simply the Guest. Dun, 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 dun. 
I swear these these silly bits at the beginning of this feature are getting more and more elaborate, and I'm living for it. You know uh, I'm so, extra. So, in case you hadn't already guessed, our guest host I this what episode you did is Joe. I know I'm great. Uh, our guest host is Joe, and they've put themselves forward for scrutiny on certain things of their <laughs> judgment, of their most definitely. Scrutiny. So, I mean, why not? Um, as if we'd judge. Um, you will. You judge. will. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask a few questions of you, Joe, and you, you've already prepared for these, of course. So could you tell us about your very first video game? Now, I had to rack my brains on this because so I've got a brother who's four years older. And so we'd already got video games consoles kind of before I was conscious of what they were. But the first that I can at least remember playing and vividly remember playing is Pokemon Red on OG, OG Game Boy. I had the proper OG Game Boy and my brother had Pokemon Blue. And that's really where my competitiveness came out because we were very much like, who can complete it fastest? Who can do X, Y, and Z? Who can do this? And yeah, I was like... Who can complete their Pokédex first? Yeah. And I realised, obviously, you didn't have access to absolutely everything originally, and it was a pain, but I tactically... I was a little shit. I wanted to win. That was all I cared about. I would do I that remember, if I wanted I, to win. I remember me and my brother sitting down, because, uh, again, I had Pokemon Red, my brother had Pokemon Blue, and playing through the opening segment of the game six times so that we could each get each of the starters. Because <laughs> it was the only way. It was the only way you could complete your Pokédex to get all of the Pokémon. That sounds a lot more cooperative than competitive, though. Yeah, we, 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 we didn't get particularly competitive over it. I don't think we ever actually once even battled each other. We just... Oh, drank. we battled. We battled like hell. Like, me and my brother are completely polar opposites, but very competitive. And I think that just set us up. But it's also why I have such nostalgia for Pokemon. So I played Red when, when I completed my Pokedex. I, I played Blue. Because my brother got pissed off, <laughs> so I don't want to play this anymore. So I played blue as well. Uh, I played yellow and crystal, but then I took a break until like X and Y because I was getting annoyed. Because a lot for me for po for Pokemon is about completing Pokédex. It's not necessarily about the story. It's I want to complete Pokédex. I watched the animes. I was like, I want to be the very best. I to catch them all is my real day. Like to train them is my course. I was very much about completing it, and as soon as it started to get like 400 and you had to have seven different games and transfer with everyone and do special events, I lost interest. I got really pissed off with it. I bought, um, I think, Shield. I always get it wrong. I'm pretty confident it's Shield, though. And I, I enjoyed that because it's, it's something different utilizes a, a different mechanic and i like that i haven't completed it yet i play every now and then but again it's it's now story focused for me rather than pokedex because it's just unachievable mm -hmm. 
what I would very much, I'm, I'm interested by the new Pokemon that will be coming out. I'm not 100% sure it's necessarily up my street. But I'm interested to see how they do it and kind of what it is. And I'm curious, at least. Pokemon Snap, I, I wish I wanted. I keep getting very close to buying it. And then I'm like, it's 45 quid for me taking pictures of cute shit. <laughs> I might I might get it second hand. Like, I'm happy to I take it for cute no. shit. But 45 quid, I'd rather spend on alcohol. That is very fair. Fair enough. Um, I mean, my issue, um, I think exactly what you were saying, Joe, is why I enjoyed Let's Go so much. Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee because it made the Pokedex fucking achievable again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have to say, like, I haven't played Let's Go and it was it was on my list and it just didn't work out. But I started playing in the last, like three months um rescue dungeon oh yeah and actually really enjoying it. it's just it's a cute art style it's completely different and i like that it is so completely different and it's just really cute and you get to go into dungeons and like it's it's adorable <laughs> and i have That's a pokemon called this. mark <laughs> You do have a Pokemon called Mark. It better be a really adorable Don't one. worry, it's not a ride on. <laughs> well, that'd be apt. Um, <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> be proud, it took me like wow. 50 minutes to get smutty. Be proud. Yeah, that did take some time. I, I really was expecting it sooner. Um, so, Joe, what would you consider to be your greatest gaming accomplishment? Well, I have to I have to premise this with anybody that has ever watched me play games or spoken to me about games knows that one of the first things I do when I'm looking at playing games is Google does insert game name here have spiders because I fucking hate them like we were playing it takes two the other day and we had to ride really cute furry spiders apparently they're not fucking cute i couldn't look at the screen i was like seriously clamming up and like, i cold up on on my chair to play it i didn't like it at all i don't like spiders i don't like how they move i i can't deal with it and a lot of games use spiders as like your jump scare or things like that and i'm just like i will and used to very much just turn off the game, leave, <laughs> and be like, I am not playing that game again. And I know I, I spoke to you about Bloodborne, Ruben, <laughs> you were like, yes, there is a spider, like, boss. I'm like, nope, not playing it. I won't nope. put myself through that. That's it. Thank you. Bye. Because you would basically have to carry me. And one of the games that I... I mean, that, that was me attempting to play... Bloodborne with Reuben anyway. He did carry me. <laughs> and he really the entire first boss. <laughs> but I I remember one of the ones that me and my brother played when we were younger in co-op 
and like we actually worked quite well together. I was amazed. My mum and dad were thrilled that we got on for a change instead of just arguing constantly. Was Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, which has the Shelob level, mm-hmm. which is not only spiders dropping down from the ceiling throughout. You then also have to deal with fucking Shelob. And in the movies, I would cover my eyes and like. He, because we're playing co-op, obviously we both had to move forwards to progress. We both had to not die, like all of that. He was instructing, I had my eyes closed and he was instructing me throughout. And he was like, move left a bit. Slash him. <laughs> we completed that whole level with me with my eyes closed. And I think that is still my gaming accomplishment, doing that in essence blindfolded. And with the sound on mute, so I didn't have to hear them dropping down. <laughs> so I think that's, that is, it's also a really nice kind of memory for me and my brother gaming. So it doubles up in that I mean, way. I mean, that is awesome. And also, what you just described is what some streamers do anyway. <laughs> just bli- literally blind um, runs of games. And... Like, like I, I, I understand because you, you've, you've spoken to me about it in the past, um, just how pronounced your aversion to spiders is. So for you to be at that level, yeah, I would, I would call that. I, I would definitely call that an accomplishment in itself. And the fact that you did it essentially blind as well is just... the only way I could do it. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. And also, while I remember, do not play Resident Evil 6. No. Um, Resident Evil is banned because I, I know most have spiders in. The thing is, most of them don't. But 6, the virus is all based around arachnid DNA. Do not no. play 6. No, I, um, I remember watching I people think... on 1 and there, there was a bit of spiderage. Mm-hmm. But not not masses. But for me, even like the mutated ones that had like pincery kind of things, no, I couldn't watch it. Because I, I don't. I think I two don't think remake. Two remake has no spiders. If I remember. No, correctly. two two is fine. No. One does. Two is fine. I watched all of two. I could probably seven, play seven two, does, but I'd it? shit myself. Uh, it has Marguerite. She's not a spider, though. It would probably be close enough for me to. No, because she it. she is more she's more insecty based because she like no, she still she, no. she gives birth she gives birth to like flying bees bees. She, she's I'm like just, a hive that gives I'm, birth I'm, to like, bees. I I am the person that I for my hundred follower stream on Twitch it went out to a vote and I was thrilled what was selected because it went to the room which is a series. So we played the room one to three over two days. And it's a puzzle-based game. And I'm like, I fucking love puzzles. It was described to me as like an escape room. I didn't check whether it was scary, whether I had spiders. I was like, this is going to be fine. It's going to just be me exercising my brain muscles. I fucking shit myself most of the way through it because it's psychologically torture. With the music, with everything, like I, I am so easily scared. I okay. I remind me to avoid that game. Puzzles and horror, no. 
I'm good um, with puzzles, but like psychological music being like, <laughs> I, I will play some horror games at some point on stream and I will hate you all for it, but it'll be fucking hilarious. Remind me that I need to tune in for that. <laughs> okay, so stepping away from spiders then, as you would probably want to do, what is your favourite game or game series? I think anyone who knows me, this is an easy, obvious answer. It's got to be Zelda. I'm a basic bitch. It has to be Zelda. I fucking love it. I mean, my first Zelda game was A Link to the Past that I played with my brother, and we just used to take it in turns on who plays it. And... I just love Zelda. And Breath of the Wild, completing that was just very emotional. I love it. I love Zelda. And now we're playing um, Link's Awakening, which I'm, regardless of how long it takes, I am finishing. Uh, well, tomorrow at the time of this recording, it, I'm, I will have finished probably by the time this goes out. But we love we love a bit of Twinkie Linky and a bit of dungeonage. Like I know this seems a theme with the games that I play that they all feature dungeons. It's just a coincidence, I promise. It's just something that you like. Yeah. Dungeons. How do you cope with the spider bosses though? I try not. <laughs> it's like, ah, press the button. I mean I I do share your um your experiences at, you know, it being a relief to finish Breath of the Wild. Um, for very different reasons. For though. completely different reasons. Um, and, like, I've not played Link's Awakening, the remake, uh, the remake of that yet. It's so um, but cute. I loved the original. I loved, I, loved, loved I've never original. played the original, but this is so cute. I'm literally there going pretty much throughout going, oh my god, look how cute this is! Oh yeah, I, I, you know, I would say that that Link's Awakening is a remake done right. Harkening back to our previous conversation about remakes, it's it's pretty perfect. That's what Nintendo do, don't they? Like when oh, they yeah. do remasters or remakes, they tend to do them right. And I'm I'm very um, excited for. I'm going to get this wrong now. Is it Skyward Sword? Yes, mm-hmm. because Skyward I didn't Sword. I didn't originally play it because I I didn't like the control setup. I'd seen other people who got it originally and I was like it's not really up my street but I, I will play it I think when it comes out on remake I am it's... quite excited about that a, a lot of people don't like Skyward Sword but personally speaking I really enjoyed it um, in fact I, enjoy, I enjoyed all of that era of Zelda to be fair Twilight Princess I really enjoyed as well um, so and the DS games uh, Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass I really enjoyed too so um, like I, I'm the same as you I'm huge 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 Zelda fan uh, have been since I was very very little um, even have like two tattoos that are around Zelda um, and I would say get them out but the uh, podcast won't be able I mean, to see that yeah the podcast the listeners won't be able to hear that I'll post them on Twitter um Go and follow so, Rude the Gamer on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Um, 
but yeah, so like I, I'm I'm totally with you. Zelda Zelda is a great series, and um, like the the concerts that they've done for Zelda were, were incredible as well. It's just it's a beautiful series that's lasted a really damn long time. And Thirty five years, in fact. It it's just, it also it's so doesn't long. do what I bemoan like Pokemon for. It keeps coming up with pretty decent things, even if. Uh, Stories are slightly similar. We all know stories generally, there are seven to 12 story types in the world. So you're going to get some repetition, but they do it in a really nice way. And even if one game isn't I for think, you, yeah. you are quite confident that in the next two or three, one of them will be really up your street. And I like that they diversify and they, they keep switching it up. And you're never quite sure what to expect. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's a reason it's still going. Hands down. Like, Breath of the Wild 2 is on the horizon, which I really hope is different than the first game. Um, and that's, and like, regardless of whether I enjoy that or not, that's going to be a phenomenally popular game. Oh, like, there's absolutely no question there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how well that sells, I think. But And whether it like, sells on name rather than game. If it doesn't necessarily live up to expectations, I think the issue with it is there are a lot of very different expectations built up on it, and you're never you're yeah. never going to please everyone. But it's it's been in the running for so long that I think a lot of people have got very idealistic about what it should be and need to remember it is a game. It's also a sequel. There's a limited scope for what it will do and can do. Yeah, I. But I think Zelda is one of those series that every single game in the series takes a long time to develop, is often delayed from when they originally intended it to be announced. And people always bring up, you know, have this expectation of what it should be. You know, and and a prime example would be Wind Waker, you know, when that was announced and that art style, you know, the internet, and I put it in quotes, had a meltdown over the the art style, but it's one of the most beloved games in the series. It's still gorgeous. It's still gorgeous to look at now. That art style was the right choice for that game at that time. I'm still annoyed that that's not being made for Switch. I wanted them to do a trilogy for Switch. It might might still come. There have have been very strong rumours that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will be coming to the Switch later this year, or maybe next year. Um, and yeah, I don't think I don't think Breath of the Wild Two is going to reinvent the Breath of the Wild formula enough that it's going to be something that Ruben loves. But <laughs> but again, I will say I will be buying it because I'm a sucker for buying things that come out that I've enjoyed previously. So if you would like to experience it at some point, I'll give you it after I finish. <laughs> Joe, as nice as that offer is, no, <laughs> I will end up. No, the thing is, I will end up buying it. It's a Zelda game every yeah, single time. You can't like, help I, yourself. I, it is. It is. I think this is again why it's one of my favorite. Well, the favorite for me game series is. I can't help myself but buy it, even if I don't really think it's for me. I think mainly my issue with some of them is I didn't have the game console or mm. platform it was on. 
And there's no denying that the quality, I think, is the other thing with the Zelda game. Regardless of Ruben's particular gripes with Breath of the Wild, it is a highly polished game. There might yeah. be there might be game mechanics in that that you disagree with or you disapprove of, but every single Zelda game is polished to perfection before it's released. And, and, and especially that's as well. And that's especially impressive with something like Breath of the Wild, where it did so much that was new to Nintendo, you know, physics-based systems, fully, completely open world, you can do anything, you know, and the fact that they, they managed to put out that kind of a game and for it, you know, you compare it with other similar games that are often released like that, full of bugs and require countless patches after patches and Breath of the Wild, none of that. It was pretty much perfect on release. It didn't care what order you did things or whether you didn't do things. It it was very much a this is your game and I re- that's what I really enjoyed about it. it. There was no rule book really to play by. You could solve things however you wanted to. You could encounter things however you wanted to. And, and to, to make games like that, is really difficult, really, really difficult. So for them to have got that right, that aspect of it, to have got that right first time straight out of the door is incredibly impressive. Yeah, I, I, I can't, as much, as much as my thoughts on that game are known, I can't argue with anything you've said. It Yay, was we got rude to be quiet! <laughs> um, it was a superbly polished game, for sure. That's a certainty. Um just weren't for me. I mean, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that and have acknowledged that ever since I've reviewed it. It is not for me as a game. And I, I think um, more people need to be completely happy with going, people will like a game, but it's just not for me. And too many people feel like they have to like games because other people do. It's like, <laughs> no game is for everyone. You like what you like. If, if and it people doesn't do. suit you do the opposite and go, I don't like that game, therefore it's a bad game. Yeah, and again, yeah. That's you get the two, pol- the two polars, don't you? I mean, like, I wouldn't put Resident Evil 7 at the top of the Resident Evil series like a lot of people do, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. It's um, just you have, you have opinions and you will say them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, what, what a shock. I'm a different person than other people, mm. therefore I have different opinions. It's just a you terrifying mean, oh my precedent. God, game, gamers aren't a homogenous group. I look up. That is an interesting point because I know you. I know you did do a, a Resident Evil ranking article. Article. I did. Even. Where, where? Now that you've played Seven, where does that come in your ranking? I think I would move it a, a little bit down from where I put it because I think I put it like fourth or fifth. And now that okay. I finished it, I think it drops down a little bit more because it really loses momentum. Mark's face is hilarious on this. I really <laughs> wish people could see this. Mark was like. So where did you put it? And the face was knowingly like, it's going to have raised slightly. And you went, it's gone down. And Mark was like, oh. well, no, 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 no. The face was because I couldn't remember. I, I didn't know if you'd actually put it in your list, having not played it. I did. Because so, um, I had played it. I just, I'd, I'd never finished it before. I'd never got particularly far in. I was basically... Sometimes, if, it, if it's an awful experience, you just shouldn't finish. No one deserves that pleasure. If it's not for you, don't finish. I mean, I finished Breath of the Wild, which was out of spite. So, <laughs> um, 
I mean, there's been there's, there has been games that I haven't enjoyed to the point that I was just like, no, I am not continuing with this game anymore. I'm um, I'm very flippant on things. I lose attention span too quickly. If something isn't mine and I really don't feel it's mine, I will just quit and be like, nah, thanks. Look at yeah, look I, at um, retain exactly of fucking thing. memories. Bullshit fucking system. Card based and so not only did I have to sort cards and see what was going on, I also had to fucking move around the attack. No, fuck off. I don't have the attention span for that or the ability mentally to deal with it. I think I did one floor, like the first bit, and went, fuck this, and haven't noticed it since. And just before playing King Parts 2, watched videos of other people playing it, so I knew the story. I mean, the thing with Chain of Memories, though, is in the original form that game took, it probably battles worked. were in 2D, so it was fine for navigating around and making sure you're not being hit, but 3D they just, did not work. 3D did not work for that game whatsoever. It, and I mean, it put me off Kingdom Hearts for like a month. I was intending to play it every week, and I didn't play it for a month because that really put me off. Good thing I've never brought that system back. And after that, immense well there is there is, a, there is a mod there is a mod on kingdom hearts 3 to have that system oh no fuck that and i um, someone sent it to me and i was like you can fuck right off yeah not doing that um but after that quite severe di- set of digressions <laughs> that was simply the guest <laughs> <laughs> oh i love digressions we got into all sorts of shit then so on to our big topic and our big topic is the financials for Sony and Nintendo because Xboxes haven't been posted yet that I could find. I've only managed to find their, their financials up until the end of Q3. I've not found their year. Um, so Sony and Nintendo, as would be expected during a pandemic, did pretty fucking well for themselves as games publishers. So like, just to throw like a couple of stats out there, I'll start with Sony for the benefit Um for the benefit of clarity. So, like, just the department of Sony that was dealing with games, so the PlayStation department, had almost a $25 billion revenue for 2020. They sold... astonishing amount of money. It's it's so much money. Um, They sold 7.5 million PS5s, 5.7 million PS4s, um... They are now up to, I can't remember, I think it's that they're now up to 47.6 million PS Plus subscribers. And last year they sold 338.9 million games across both PS5 and PS4. Those are big numbers. Um, And the only reason why PS4 is that low, I would think, is because PS5 was released. I would have thought PS4 would be much higher if PS5 wasn't released last year. I mean, if you compare the two, knowing that PS5 was coming, a lot of people wouldn't have bought PS4. Because what's the point in buying a console that's going to drop rapidly in price because the new version is coming out? So I'm actually impressed that it sold that many. I think... Though that might be because of the stock issues with PS5. I, th- I think that's a huge... Oh, also, 7.5 million PS5s, given all of the stock issues, given mm. 
I'll be interested to see how they do for first quarter of this year when stock was slightly more sorted out. They, they've done pretty well. I mean, looking on your point on PlayStation Plus, they've gone up over 6 million subscribers in a year. That's impressive. Um, but it's over, it's over like 10 over ten percent, they've gone up. But the thing is whether it's the thing is whether that increase was based on PS Five as well, because obviously PS Five had the PS Plus collection. So did people just get a PS Five get get a PS Five and then get the subscription so they could get those games? There's that potential as well. Um, but I, I think they've played it very well with what they've done with PS Plus since the PlayStation Five has come out. They've put some pretty decent games on there for PlayStation Five. And some decent ones for PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. I I mean, usually, if I'm not playing online, I've got a whole load in my library already, and I will just cancel month-on-a-month basis if, if I know I'm not going to play online or if I'm happy with what I've got and I know what I'm going to play. I would cancel usually and just come back when I wanted to play online. And I've kept it going because the games that are coming up, I want those in my library. I'm happy to pay seven quid a month to have those in my library. Also, there's been, like, which wasn't the case with PS Plus before the PS5, there's been games that have released on PS Plus. So, like, The Odd World, um, Soulstorm was released on PS Plus, Destruction All Stars was released on PS Plus. Um, and mm, that's got to be good and, as well. And some big games going on pretty quickly after they've launched like seven remake you mean seven seven remake is pretty huge to go on that when frankly given the additional i mean yeah you still have to buy it if you want the additional uh level or whatever it is but that's a pretty chunky game and something they could have made a lot of money off of still so for them to stick that on i i was very surprised I mean, I've taken full advantage of it, but I was, I was surprised. And I think tactically, the games that they've put on have broadly been very good choices. Yeah, and they, they, well, not only that, but they've encompassed everything. Like, there's been at least, I think almost every genre has been represented, like this year alone in PS Plus. Um, so they've made some very savvy choices with PS Plus, which I, which is obviously going to help with keeping subscribers. Well, especially as they've added a PS5 game every month. And, mm. you know, when you're talking about the first three or four months of the console's release, that's a very limited selection, and they've picked some pretty some pretty good titles to, to go alongside that. Yeah, because Bugsnax was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, Bugsnax. That's, I mean, that's, that's a big one to start with. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, I'm going to pre-order Bug Snacks," and I was like, "Not really sure it's for me." And then it came up on PlayStation, but I was like, "Hey, I've got it, <laughs> suckers!" And apparently, it's a good game. I've not played Bug Snacks, so I, I played a bit and then deleted it. It really isn't for me. <laughs> it's cute, Too many spiders. Though. It's very cute, but yeah, there's there's food-related spiders, and I didn't want to be put off certain foods. I think that's fair. Um, 
but yeah, Sony have had a great year, which doesn't surprise anyone. So Nintendo as well. Um, so just throwing some figures out. Operating profits for the year, $5.9 billion, which is... Anything that reaches a billion is impressive. Um, they have... They're, they're getting close to 85 million Switch sales, hardware sales, for their, its lifetime, with 28.8 million of those being in the last year alone. Which um, is a, just an incredible number, really, when you look at it. We're in, what, year four of the Switch now? Yeah, year four. And they sold 30 million near enough last year. I, I think, and do correct me if I'm wrong, that they've sold more Switches each year. Yes, that number has only gone yeah. up every year, I believe, so far. Which is I, insane that, as, a, as a console. And, it's insane. And people are going, oh, when's, when's the like, Switch Pro coming out? Why do they need it to? Yeah, well, there's, a good, there's a good answer to that, actually. And that is, how do you sell more of an existing generation of a console? Find a way to make people buy another one. And that's what the Switch Pro is for. That is what will pick up you know, it's the Switch is going to sell phenomenally. I don't think it, it's not going to be on an upward trend forever. And they're going to want to find a way of selling another Switch to people that have already got one. And how do you do that? You release a Pro. Oh, exactly. But whilst it's still on a massive upward, I mean, we look at it and it has sold 37% more this financial year than the previous year. When that you're, also when you're have selling been, that many that more, have, what's the point? They until that, it starts to plateau and level off, they'll probably have something in production, but they don't need but, to. I can see it coming in the next year, and there have been quite a few rumours. But I think also that figure will have been bolstered enormously by the by pandemic. pandemic. Every, oh, everyone pandemic. being at home, everyone you know wanting some kind of console. So yeah, I think they're going to be looking at it and going right. You know, in the console sale bell curve, we probably are at the peak now. I, I think the what Switch. they will do is give it another year, let the Switch outsell the Wii, and then in two years' time we'll have the Pro, but they'll announce it next year. Hmm. You see, I think they will do it earlier than that because they will also they will be looking at a Pro, but they will also be looking at the next generation. Yeah. And then they're not going to put the pro out that close to the, you know, if you even if you look at a a, a reasonably long console life cycle of about seven years, we're more than halfway through that. If they release the pro in two years' time, I mean that's more where they're going to be looking at releasing the next generation switch rather than a upgrade of the existing one. Are they? Are they going to do a next generation switch though, or are they just going to completely? Well, a next generation, a next generation, exactly. whatever it is that they do. It, it but... depends on what they have in plan, and also on technological advances. I think the thing that keeps them very separate from the Xbox PlayStation battle is they are such a different system. But I also, I also think they 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 have hit on a formula that clearly works for them, clearly works for their niche. And I think they will, they will stick with it for another generation at least. And that is that is something of a pattern with Nintendo consoles. You know, you can you compare almost 
the, the NES and the SNES being a refinement, the GameCube and uh, the N64 and the GameCube being a refinement, the Wii and the Wii U being a refinement. And I think you'll see the same thing with Switch. Oh, I, think, and, I think they've got another the one with the will, Switch, definitely. And I, I think people... I think when you talk about the Switch Pro as well, people, and this is going to be where Nintendo need to get the marketing right, where they massively fucked it up with Wii U, is I think there is, I think the Switch 2 and the Switch Pro are different things. I think the Switch 2, whatever they call it, whatever it is, is the true next generation. And I think Switch Pro is going to be merely a small tech bump of the existing Switch. It's Switch Pro is not their next generation console. I don't no, think. but I also think Switch Pro needs to have enough of a tech boost. Because well, the Switch has already technically had a battery boost, at least. What, that, yeah. The, I don't the, think the it's the that, tech boost that no. is the issue. It would need, like, yes, there needs to be a big enough tech boost. I do agree but they need to support that tech boost. That's the important thing because the new 3DS was a large tech upgrade based on the ordinary 3DS, but it had shit all games that took advantage of that apart from maybe, I think there's a handful max. And yeah, that meant the 3DS was just being, the new 3DS was just being used to play 3DS games. There wasn't any support or any, if you already had a 3DS that worked completely fine, there was no justification it for upgrading to the new at all. Yeah, Apart I think me because I like aesthetic shit. You've um, got to look you've got to look at, you know, I think Sony and Microsoft really proved that a mid-generation pro release can work. If you and do as it much right. As, as, if you do it right and as much as Nintendo aren't don't see themselves as competing even though they are competing with, you know, they see themselves as a separate little market, their own niche world. I d- that doesn't mean that they won't learn from the ways that Nintendo and Sony, uh, Microsoft and Sony, release those mid-generation performance-based consoles if that's what they're looking to do for the Switch. And if you look at exactly when Microsoft and Sony released the, the One X and, and the PlayStation Pro, it was at this point in the life cycle where we are with Switch right now. I think the thing is, the pandemic has changed people's timelines. Yeah, and that will undoubtedly have been an impact in, in when Nintendo released this and mythical the, mythical Switch Pro that hasn't been announced yet. The mythical one that everyone expects that has never been announced. I think the other thing is it's put the Switch a lot closer to the Wii. And it looks nice for Nintendo if they can go, look, this is now bigger than the Wii. It looks like a nice thing for them to be able to do that and then go, and because you've really supported Nintendo Switch, we're now going to release an updated, a brand new, a brilliant Nintendo Switch Pro, which you should all buy. Hey! Well, let's see what comes at E3, shall we? Yeah, I mean, E3 is is, is obviously going to be the next showcase for that. And just another couple of little bits from the, from the Nintendo financials. Uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, New Horizons is now the second best in terms of sales software on the Switch with 32.6 million and that game's only been out just over a fucking year. What a year for that game. I can stick my hands up and say 
I haven't bought it. I have no intention of buying it. It just doesn't suit me. The look of it, I was like, what's the fucking point? I got I mean, it in like a couple of months. I'm so. in exactly the same boat as you. It's not, it's not for me. If people are happy, wonderful for them. I'm glad it makes people happy. And I've seen people play it and they seem really happy. That's what games are meant for. Some people enjoy mm-hmm. it, some won't. So it's all I mean, one thing... I think we can guarantee is that Animal Crossing will overtake Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. There's only like 3 million in it. It's going to do it. It's going to overtake. It's going to become the best-selling game on the console. I think, yeah, it's been close for a while, but it... I mean, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe didn't sell, like, it did sell last year still, which is incredible. Yeah, but the thing is, even Mario Kart 8 still pops up in the top 10 sales charts. It's still selling a phenomenal amount. It... It'll be a close call, you know, when Animal Crossing Platinum. finally overtakes it or whether, you know, whether it it's had a phenomenal first year, but its, it's interest will wane. I, it's difficult to tell. It'll be interesting to see, though. And it's, Mario it's one Kart of those has games. been steady for, for five, four, you know, four years now. Mario Kart has been pretty steady in appearing in those sales charts. So, I think, yeah. I think the thing is, Mario Kart doesn't really age as a game. It's it's very much, you, you get what you see, people will like it, and will buy it. Animal Crossing, as a style of game, especially when people's lives get a bit busier, might not have as much time to embrace it as, as much as they've been able to during lockdown. It's a perfect, it's been a perfect lockdown game for a lot yeah, of yeah. people. I also think Mario Mario Kart is one of those very few games where almost nobody dislikes it. Oh no, I fucking hate it when I'm playing it because I'm shy. <laughs> fucking I mean, red shells. I think, I think you're right. Plus also, like the, the, the difference between the two games is that Animal Crossing New Horizons stripped a lot out of the game. That The, the reason I don't enjoy New Horizons is because it stripped out a lot of the things I really enjoyed from New Leaf. Um Whereas Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the definitive Mario Kart game at this point. Um, and there's a, there's a clear gulf between those two in terms of, in terms of that, um, at least. But nonetheless, Nintendo, Sony, both had phenomenal 2020s. Yeah, uh, and I don't, I don't know that we will ever see Xboxes because... I think I'm right in saying that Microsoft for a long time have not released sales figures for Xbox. They don't care. Uh, about they it. they don't because they what they what I mean what they will release is probably the revenue and and, and profits from the Xbox division. That doesn't include, tell you much at all. Yeah, it will include Game Pass and Xbox Live, which is where they care about making all of their money. But for a long time, they have not released firm sales figures for the hardware because they don't care. Yeah, I mean, and they don't need to care. Ju- jumping back on one thing before we might finish up on Nintendo, I'm very, very happy and impressed to see that just over seven more million in the last year have kept their ring fit. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. Are you, pr- are you proud of that? <laughs> Even in lockdown, people are keeping their rings fit. It's... I mean, that game is a game. 
Um, fucking workout. I was like, oh, this is going to really be piss is. easy. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> Bitch, she died. I need to get back into it because um, I really enjoyed it when I was playing it. But then I stopped playing it because things happened with work and, and stuff like that, which ended up stopping it. But definitely need to get on that. Um, but that is season two, episode two. Uh one thing I would like to do, because I completely forgot to do it during the Simply the Guest segment, is Joe, Hello. my beloved, how can people find the wonderful things that you do upon the internet? Well, if you go to uh, Pornhub, no, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, so I, I have done something that's called hashtag branding. And being very sensible. So my Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch all are the same user, which is Joey, so J-O-E-Y, white with a one, because I am the number one Joey White basic bitch in the land. So that's W-H-1-T-E. Uh, and I'm there on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. You can see me playing games very mediocrely, being smutty, <laughs> Um, I mean, one of I have a lot of sound actions, and my, one of my emotes is of um, Kim Woodburn in Celebrity Big Brother when she went filth, and it's me doing that with filth underneath it. So it's it's a smutty, hilarious, inducing, crazy thing. And I am going to plug one thing, if that is all right. Plug away. I and really wish I hadn't said that. I mean, if you'd like me to plug you, Rue, I can always... <laughs> this is this is awful. This is what I mean. This is the chaos that my stream is broadly about. I am just smutty and there's innuendos everywhere. On the 29th of this month, 29th of May, I have monthly, I do a Pished on Prosecco event, which is me chatting with a wonderful guest and playing some co-op games. And on the 29th of this month, I can now announce for the first time, this is a Quiz at Play exclusive, that my guest this month is the ever-wonderful, incomparable Ruben. Hey! So do, yeah, do come along for that. I'm so excited for it. I it's going to be chaos. It's going to be utter chaos. I will no doubt spaff Prosecco everywhere again. We just need to find co-op games to play. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this as an event. Uh, so you heard it, 29th of this month, over on the incomparable Joe's Twitch. But that was our guest host for episode two, Joey White. Um, and we have been the Queers at Play. Thank you very much for listening to us. And we will all see you. At a later date. I'm off to go and uh, hunt giant vampire ladies. Oh, the opening of Resident Evil Village is a shit. I'm off to go and stream Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, have fun. Have lots of fun. Have a lovely and weekend yeah. all. We'll speak to right. you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.